Hello, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization using a combination of old school wisdom and new Greek tactics to help achieve this end. My name is Sim, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we're going to be talking about six things that keep you stuck. All right, so here's how I want to pop off and open up this entire conversation. A lot of people get into self-development or personal development, whatever you want to call it, because they realize that their current way of living and thinking is currently and ultimately unsustainable in the long term. Or they may have this feeling in the back of their mind, like there's something more, there's something else, there's something that I'm not seeing, there's something there. And a lot of people have this. And I may be speaking for myself or I may be preaching to the choir because this is what happened to me. I got on the road of conscious self-improvement and self-development because I realized that my current environment was not giving me what I needed to succeed as a productive member of society who goes after what they want and gets what they want out of life. So that's why I first sought off self-development because I wasn't getting the resources I need to become the man I wanted to be. Because let's be honest, as great as school is, and it can be good in certain points, it just doesn't provide you a good template for learning life skills. School is just a place where you pretty much learn information and regurgitate information. It's not a place where you internalize that information and make it a part of your worldview. So you're not really learning life skills Unless you had a teacher who was really engaged and involved and taught you stuff beyond the classroom, which I was fortunate to have, but those teachers are, were few and far between for me, and I'm willing to bet they were few and far between for many people, because in school, I didn't learn anything about something like conflict resolution, state management, conversational persuasion, how to manage your finances, developing relationships with the opposite sex how to be in relationship, and pretty much all the stuff you need to be a successful adult and successful man in 21st century society. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, there's a lot of great stuff I learned in school, but a lot of it, looking back, was just fluff. Now, at this point, you could say your parents are supposed to teach you about all this stuff, but to be honest, there's only so much your parents can teach you about the world without you getting firsthand knowledge or granular insight about how to do these things because there's only so much that they themselves know. Even some people's parents weren't even really present in their lives. Like a person, a parent could could have been there financially, but they weren't there for moral support. The parent could be providing for that child's needs and they weren't showing up to the child's hockey games, or they weren't helping the kid out with their math problems, or they just weren't teaching them about life in general. And I knew some parents like that. I knew some kids like that. And that dynamic was very unhealthy. So the parent was there physically, but they weren't there mentally. So where do you turn in this situation? Well, some people turn to their peers or to the common man which in my situation was college, I'd started getting into self-development in college. And that was college-age adolescence. 
so 17, 18, 19, 20. At that age, pretty much everyone is as stupid and ignorant as you are. And it would be pretty much the blind leading the blind. You can definitely get a good grasp and a good footing on life and life situations, but you're not going to get as much context as you would when you start getting out in the field. There's no substitute for experience in this case, and um, college students have very little of it. So when that situation doesn't work, when you can't go to you know, your parents or you can't go to your peers for information, where else do you go? Well, you then extend it to other adults or authority figures, maybe someone who's quote-unquote seen the movie before, a mentor, and that could work. And there's been many mentors who've helped me and who have helped other people get to where they want to be in life and have helped them get some nugget of wisdom. And again, that could work, but many times it may not, it may just not. So some people may not have a mentor readily accessible. Some people may not know who to reach out to. And In that case, naturally turning to self-development resources is a natural next step for some people. Some people, actually most people, many people, I wouldn't even say most, most means the majority, but I'd say a lot of people that more than should keep doing what they're doing, expecting different results, which you all know is the definition of insanity. But many people who do turn to self-improvement and self-development use it always as to an escape problem. They don't turn this continuous improvement and development into a lifestyle. So plateau results, getting stuck is the result. I talked about this in the episode, why you're not improving and what to do about it. And that was talking about methods and a mindset, a methodology around self-improvement. These are the concrete reasons. The following are six reasons why people reach an overall lifestyle plateau when when and where they feel stuck. Now, the following is just my 28-year-old opinion, so you're welcome to take it with a pinch of salt, right? All of these may apply to you, some of these may apply to you, or none of these may apply to you. Let's get started with the first one. You're too reliant on motivation. The other day, a friend of mine sent me a video of a motivational speaker, This motivational speaker was shouting and saying this and that, but he actually wasn't saying anything. Words were coming out of his mouth, but he wasn't speaking. So I looked into this guy and found out that he was just full of hot air. Another guy went on a motivational rant about how you just need to hustle and grind. And he's talking about how he's such a high value hustler and he's hustling 24 seven and how he's taking his business to the next level and Yada, yada, yada. There's a dime a dozen of these guys out there like that. These guys are everywhere. And motivation is easy to disperse. Motivation is easy to give to people. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy motivational content. I think motivation is a large pillar of self-development because you need to get motivated to do certain things with your life. You need a spark that creates the action. For motivational people, I love Jim Rohn. I think he's great. I think someone like Zig Ziglar is awesome. I've read several of his works and 
contemporary guy. I like David Goggins. I think he's a beast. But all these guys, all those motivational speakers, I don't expect them to reorient my situation. I don't rely on motivation just to get to the end of whatever I'm doing. So these other guys, these guys who are full of hot air, these guys are feeding off of your need for motivation. They're trying to sell this end result without any substantive action. And they're selling snake oil and pipe dreams. And people are lining up by the boatload for this content because motivation is easy to get. It is much harder to do the thing in question you're getting motivated for. So these people are selling hot air, make tons of money off of people who aren't willing to make continuous growth a lifestyle and a part of their habits. Rather, these people who rely on motivation are indoctrinated with the Western mindset of quick fixes and easy money. So these guys are full of hot air. They pump you up full of hot air and you end up being full of hot air with no substance. You burst down the sideline and then you fizzle out because you become deflated like a punctured tire on a side of the road on a hot summer day. And that's not what you want to be. You know, this race of life is a marathon. It's not a sprint, guys. And like I said in the episode on negative motivation, motivation is just a start. It's not an end. It doesn't produce results. It doesn't finish. Well, finish will be your habits. So that's the first one. You're too reliant on motivation. This leads beautifully into the second one. You don't have the right habits. One of the most profound things I've ever heard in regards to behavioral change and self-development in general is the statement, habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. James Clear said that, and it's pretty on the mark. The effects of your habits multiply over time. Likewise, your habits are a path leading you to a specific end. If you play video games every day, then you're going to become a gamer and everything that's involved with that. If you smoke cigarettes every day, well, guess what? You're going to become a smoker and take on everything that's involved with being a smoker. All of the positive things, because there, there are positive things like Smoking can be a social activity. I knew several people in college who smoked and they bonded over that, but it can also be negative, obviously, because of all the health consequences. So you take all of that wrapped up in the package of being a quote unquote smoker. If you eat, read, listen, and watch junk, then that's what you're going to become. You're going to become junk. But I think the problem with habits and habit formation is when you start to look at life as a big picture and you take it as a whole and bundle it together, you get all kinds of desperate belief systems and threads of behaviors that very easy for things to slip by here and there and things to go under the radar because they don't seem to have a noticeable effect on the overall structure of your life. There's no one who really tells you of the framework of if you do a collection of these things over time, your life will end up in a good or bad direction. There's no one really provide the answer for that. There's some people you can offsource that to like a philosophical system or a religious system who will tell you that uh, if you do this, this and this, then you are an adherent of this religious system or this philosophical system. And that's very easy. But again, when you think of life, 
as a whole because life has different compartments and it can be very easy for bad habits to slide. So take, for example, someone who does go to church, they are quote unquote religious. And during the week, they happen to eat junk food. They have a mediocre performance at work, high mediocre. Um, They really get absorbed in digital entertainment when they come home. They don't really pay attention to their significant other or even their kids if they have any. So this person doesn't see how the structures of his habits are weaving his life story as an intertwined whole. Like he doesn't see how treating his family and his performance at work and eating certain foods and doing certain activities, how it's all connected together because he doesn't see how one thing affects everything else. And that's how you can easily have someone who's killing it at work, but then the other parts of their life are falling apart because they're not seeing how work performance is tied to the other areas of their life. And also, let me use myself as an example. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn because I also have a lot of problems because like you, I'm human. (laughs) So I've spent about the past seven, almost eight years in, I'd call it a crunch oriented work mode a lot of the time. I have seasons where I work less and I do productive things less, but I'm never not doing anything because I realize that in order to operate at a high level, I need to develop the habits that would allow me to produce quantity results and high quality. So I started this when I was going to be a senior in college. So the summer of 2012, I really started to really focus in on the self-development tools and tactics and really start to get really good at controlling myself and establishing self-discipline. So I've made that a part of my framework and my life philosophy, and that's influenced pretty much everything else that I've done since then. And self-discipline and doing things that I know I have to do, but I may not like to do has just become a habit. It's just the way I live my life. So what is the end result of something like this? What's the end result of being in this productive oriented mode? Well, I'd say the overall benefit is that I'm just able to tolerate what I call massive load without getting overwhelmed. Things that other people find Difficult to do or implement is just the way I live my life. And load, I consider cognitive burden. So having all of the things you have to do in a day and also developing your skills and adding new skills and also living your life as a human being, as an adult human being, that all contributes to what is known as load. Also a busy schedule, busy life. And being able to slot things in, take things out, and manage your lifestyle, lifestyle management, uh, contributes to load, this cognitive burden, keeping things in the right place. So someone who has developed themselves, like a, let's think of a Fortune 500 CEO, someone who has uh, developed themselves in their craft, someone who has networked a lot, someone who has 
seen the battle, someone who is, has skin in the game or someone who is an executive, someone who's high up in the corporate ladder or someone who is just in the game, someone who's in the arena, they have to develop themselves where they're able to tolerate a massive amount of quote unquote load because all these things about life, life is always throwing things at you. You're going to have to deal with things at work. You're going to have to deal with uh, employees, going to have to deal with competition, going to have to deal with life in general. So you have to develop yourself to tolerate all of that. And if someone who has developed themselves were to give their schedule to someone who has not developed themselves for that load, then that person would crumple under the pressure. So structuring yourself, building yourself up to take that load and tolerate something like 12-hour days, 14-hour days, while having a family at home or having to live your life as a person, having to go out, shop, groceries, cook, um, having to date, having to learn hobbies, skills, all that stuff. That takes a lot of development and you only develop yourself through your habits. So you have to realize that your habits are leading you to be a specific type of person and the strength of your habits will be your base, the foundation upon which you build your success and future production. So if you want to stop being stuck, main key point in all of this is that you need better habits and you need better routines. So that's the second one. You just need better habits. The third one I'd say is you're not specific enough. When it comes to results-oriented achievement, specificity is the solution for most problems in people's lives. One of the biggest mistakes you see with people trying to improve themselves is a lack of goals. Once people realize that there's a lack of goals, they then try to set a goal or goals. So they get this motivation at the beginning of the new year or end of the year, and they start setting goals for the new year, and they say that, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to go to the gym. I want to be more social, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a goal like, I want to be a better person. I don't know what that means. That's very vague. I'll talk to a guy like this and it's no fault on him. He just doesn't understand something like the straight line philosophy that I talked about in the last episode. The problem with the goal is that it's very vague and it has a lot of gray area. And when it comes to exerting effort, the human mind just loves to seek out all these gray areas and move into them because they create ambiguity around the goal itself. They provide an excuse where you don't have to exert effort and energy and use the brain's precious energy resources to do that. Because with ambiguity, anything can go. And I can do anything and say anything because there's no accountability. There's no standard. There's no mark that I have to hit to satisfy the parameters of actually trying to achieve that goal. So something like, again, I want to lose weight. I want to make a ton of money. I want to be more spiritual. I want a girlfriend. I want to be more social. I want to travel. It doesn't mean anything. None of those things mean anything. Saying you want to go to the gym doesn't mean anything. Saying you want to make lots of money doesn't mean anything. But something specific like, I'm going to reach out to at least five clients a week until I get a solid client base and I get at least 10 clients in my clientele. If you're a contractor or consultant or 
even running a business. That's something specific. That's something you can get behind. And when you add additional qualifiers to the statement, you can make it even more specific and hone in on it more. When you create specificity, you create less allowance for excuses to creep in. And if you fail, it's because you failed. The system didn't fail. You just failed to execute on the system and get the results. It's as simple as that. It's not a reflection on you. You're not a failure. You just happen to not follow through with the system. That's it. It may be a moral weakness. It may be a psychological weakness. It may even be a lifestyle weakness, but there's something that prevented you from following on that system. Um, Sometimes it may even just be quote unquote chance may just have run into bad luck. All of the people you reached out to, to get a client or get a contract, they weren't available or the market wasn't good or something else. So um, the system is infallible if it's properly constructed. Here's one example of that. If you're in sales or you know about sales, then you know that there's a sales quota that sales reps have to hit each month, each quarter, and each year. These metrics create accountability and clarity on what needs to happen to progress forward. That's why sales has a massive, massive turnover rate. Most salespeople get fired because they consistently do not hit quota. And you'll see many sales reps who get into sales. Some of these guys didn't pursue sales as a career calling. They just got into it because it was convenient. Some of these guys will just show up and they'll collect the base salary and the commission will just end up being a bonus. So they aren't willing to decide that they're going to have their commission overtake their base salary because the base salary ends up usually being low because people know that people come into sales just to have a job. So if this sales manager is smart, the person who manages all the sales reps, they're going to create goals that are achievable, but also stretch. And the company itself will have a sales training system. Sometimes they outsource it from other places. They're going to have a sales training system that allows the sales reps to succeed. And if they fail, it's because they failed to follow the system, not the company, not the system, not the quota. None of these things are responsible for the failure of the sales reps to execute if these things are all locked in in place. So that's the third one. You're not specific enough. You need better metrics around whatever you're doing. The fourth one is you like to dabble. And I think it's easier than ever these days with our information-based societies to see quote-unquote cross-pollination. You'll see people do things here and there, and you'll see people saying that they're experimenting. I think experimentation is good. I think bringing things in from other fields is good, but I think aimless experimentation is counterproductive because it doesn't allow you to really dig deep down and gain expertise. So here's another example. In 2016, someone I knew started a blog. This was around the same time that I started Unstoppable Rise, and he said he was going to use the blog as a way to promote himself and gain a huge following. Okay. That's, again, lack of specificity. So as anyone who started a blog knows, you have to create consistent content in order to build up an audience. So at that time, I was writing and publishing a dense thousand-plus word article about eh, once a week. Probably sometimes I'd probably do two times a week, depending on whether I had other things going on, which I did. I was working, and I was also trying to get my life in order, uh, being... At that time, I was 23, 24. So um, 
this guy was going a similar route, but then he was also publishing what I call cotton candy content every week or so just to whet the appetite of the audience. So things that had fluff just to keep them entertained. And we both ended up starting at the beginning of 2016. And as the year started to wear on and as that load started to increase, lifestyle started to creep in, life started to make its own plans, life started to make things inconvenient for both of us. Um, And I think for anyone who's developing anything, life just happens. Murphy is just creeping, right? (laughs) Um, So... As this, as the year went on and as the load started to increase, his publishing became less frequent and less frequent and he let life get in the way. So 2016 was also a rather unremarkable year for me as well because I did little publicity. I wasn't trying to really build links. I wasn't trying to do all the things you need to do to make a blog popular. I wasn't really trying to hone in on the specific topics that people were looking for. And I wasn't giving the site the love it needed to grow. And regardless of that, I was still linked to by a fellow blogger whose work I really respect and some other sites. So it wasn't a total write-off. It wasn't a total loss. And also at the end of 2016, a site caught my attention. And I started writing in earnest on this site. This site was called Quora. And some of you listening to this are from Quora. So if you're from Quora, thank you for the support. I truly appreciate it. And I hope that this will be of value to you. So again, coming back to this, I told him about Quora and he gladly jumped on it. Gladly jumped on. So Quora was slow for me, but then I started gaining an audience on there as well. Many of whom made to jump to Unstoppable Rise. And again, if you're listening to this, thank you. So in mid-2017, I made the jump to full-time consulting, and then I had more free time to write on Quora. I committed to one high-quality answer a day, linking back to the site. And this guy was working part-time at this time, so he and I uh, were on similar trajectories, not identical, but similar. So he was working part-time this time, and he also wrote one answer a day. However, again, the problem of load and the problem of life and the problem of endurance showed itself. He teetered on and off as the year progressed. And for me, I started picking up clients left and right, but I still had that benchmark. I still had that metric of at least one high quality answer a day. Sometimes I would write more. So in late 2017, one of my answers went viral on the website and I broke 1,000 followers Then it was back to back to back to back to back. My answers were getting a lot of attention, a lot of love. Answers were blowing up. I was getting featured in publications. I was getting subscribers. Things hit this sort of tipping point. Then 2018, one of my answers went super viral. And right now it sits at about 32,000 likes and about half a million views. So no small numbers. And my overall content on that website has about 5 million views total. The person I know, he has about 240 followers and a little under 8,000 views on all of his stuff. So what's the big takeaway here? The big takeaway isn't taking a dump on this guy that I know. The big takeaway is this guy said he wants to make content writing and writing on the internet his career. And it's very possible to make a full-time 
career blogging or just writing about things that interest you. I know people have done it and I know people who have made a comfortable living from it. But he wanted to take writing and online writing, online copywriting his career, but he lacked the endurance to go deep and he lacked the endurance to dedicate himself and sacrifice things for that. I couldn't find any respect for this type of behavior because this guy said he wanted something so much, but then his actions showed otherwise. And even when I talked to him about it, he said, oh, I'm still doing that. I still want to do it. So his his actions spoke louder than his words. He actually didn't want to do it. He wasn't all in. So this private person is also the type of person that dabbles a lot. No big surprise there, right? So I haven't talked to him in quite a bit, but last time I did talk to him, probably about two years ago, he said he wanted to do social media marketing, then he wanted to be a mechanic, then he wanted to be an ultramarathon runner. Last time I talked to him, he said he was trying to get into recruiting or something. So he's trying all these different things, um, but he's not really gaining expertise in any of them. He's just trying them out. Which, again, an experimentation phase is useful, but sometimes it is counterproductive. So when you dabble, you can only get the surface cotton candy, but you can never get the real good stuff. And that only comes when you stop playing games and decide to hone in and focus, when you decide to do the straight line approach. This leads to my next point. Next point is you're not focused on fundamentals. Now, in that last example, all I did was write one, sometimes two, sometimes more high-quality answers on Quora a day, and that got me to where I was then. Very simple. Nothing crazy, nothing ridiculous, but likewise in life, all it takes is focusing on the simple things that lead to massive results. You see people try and do all this extra nonsense when all they had to do was just play it basic. So for example, what if you're trying to find a job? What if you're trying to get back into the job market after all of this turbulence is over? Well, you can do what I did right off college. And I ended up applying to five jobs a day that I was a good fit for. And this was right out of college when I had no skills. I had very little experience. I had no one to really vouch for me except professors. So in a week, that's about 25 jobs if you're just doing it on a five-day schedule. Sometimes I would just apply to five jobs every single day. So that's 35 jobs. How many callbacks do you think you'll get after that? Well, depending on your level of experience, and when I did this, my level of experience was very low. Um, Maybe some, maybe all, maybe none. But the one thing is for sure, if you don't apply, you won't get the interview. And if you don't get the interview, you won't get the job. So that is the volume approach. I just tweak the volume and something like this is very manipulative where you could ratchet up to six jobs a day, seven jobs a day, 10 jobs a day. There be there was a time where I applied for 15 jobs in a day, but I think something like that is unsustainable when you're trying to do scale it up and also get quality results as at the same time. I think that's very unsustainable. So I just aimed for something that was very low, but I did it over time. So that's something that is fundamental. In the gym, the gym works the same way when you're trying to bulk up and gain muscle mass. That's the same thing I did. 
I continue to focus on the fundamental lifts, bench press, squat, deadlift, uh, overhead press. And I added some accessory lifts and I got stronger on those over time. And over time, my musculature caught up to my strength. So Brian Tracy uh, or Earl Nightingale, I don't know which one of them it is, had this formula. If you read in your field one hour a day, you would be at the top of your field in three years. Five years, you'd be a national authority. And about seven years, you'd be one of the best. Basic fundamental stuff. One hour a day is not much. But over time, that stacks up and that compound interest allows you to get better and better and better and allows you to grasp more nuance within your field because you learn, you read, and you do, you apply. So again, fundamentals. Don't be one of those guys who tries to run before he can walk. Number five, got to be focused on the fundamentals. So six, the last one, the very last one. I'd say you're not playing to win. You're playing to not lose. So this is a very nuanced point, but I think it's key to understanding self-improvement and self-development. So most of us live in a westernized first world country with access to all sorts of resources, but a lot of people are barely keeping their head above water. Whatever you think about politics or sociology or just the current um, economic environment or just capitalism in whole, I think that's pretty irrelevant to the fact that we live in the most opportunity rich time in history. I could finish this recording today and in a couple hours, I could start a business like a legitimate business and have it be revenue positive, gain revenue, not profit revenue within the week. That's crazy, right? When else in history would you have been able to do that? Just immediately start up a business and start generating revenue and also gain the lessons that come from when you start some sort of entrepreneurial endeavor. I don't think there's any time in history where it's been so easy. But if you have a mindset of survival and self-preservation and non-expansion, then it's going to be very hard to see that opportunity and appreciate that opportunity. So Steve Jobs, the late, great Steve Jobs, in his 2005 Stanford commencement speech said, when you grow up, you get told that the world is the way it is and your life is the way it is. And you just have to live your life within the world. You try not to bash into the walls too much. You try to have a nice family life. You try to have fun. You save a little money. You do this, then the other. You're pretty much focused on not extending yourself too much, not encountering pain. So this speech, if you're familiar with it, is one of commencement motivation lore. People love using the speech as motivation and saying, you can do it. And Steve Jobs was an exceptional exceptional individual for sure, for sure. And I think all being considered, I think is a good speech. But I think this speech overall exemplifies the mindset that a lot of people don't have. A lot of people have the mindset of just trying to live their life within this narrowly sketched world and this narrowly sketched worldview and they aren't focused on expanding and growing. And that's fine because I don't think everybody should be motivated. We have a whole range of different personality types 
And we have a whole range of people who want different things out of life. Some people just want to enjoy life, which is perfectly fine. But if you're on a track of self-improvement, self-development, and you're consciously trying to level yourself up, you can't have this mindset of self-preservation. It is antithesis to everything self-development is about. So I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again, and I'll tell a short version of this. Several years ago, right after college, I quit the job I was doing to get into an adjacent line of work. And the job I was doing was safe and secure. I was guaranteed to advance in that, and I was guaranteed to get on a good track for that. So that was my track that I set up. But then when I was doing that job, I realized that this is not what I want to do for um, a majority of my waking life. And I knew that I could develop the skills to an auxiliary line of work. So I knew there was another level. I knew there was a type of work that hit on all of the things and all the skills that I was developing 10 years prior. So I knew there was another level. I had to get to that next level. So I did the thing and I quit that job. I quit that job and ended up getting a job in marketing. And I was pretty much the water boy on the marketing team I got the job for. I was doing miscellaneous marketing activities. And because I was a junior, because I was a novice, I would fail and I would fail. I was like a fish flailing on land. I was a low man on the totem pole. I would do glorified Excel projects and then I would miscalculate them. I would fail. I would do market research and I would mess up the marketing totals and I'd fail. And I would write copy for different marketing materials. And sometimes I would rephrase it wrong or I would put the wrong link. So I would fail again. Being the junior person, I was ridiculed. And I was ridiculed and I had to suffer and I had to be broke. And I had to be in this position where I didn't envision myself being four years prior. I imagined myself graduating from college, like every idealistic college grad, getting a super high paying job right out of school and just coasting along that way, right? But obviously now I was treated like a disposable extra and this was only two weeks in. A month in, I was doing that glorified data entry in Excel and I was being pretty much indoctrinated into the corporate startup lifestyle. And I had to learn on my own. I had to sink or swim. So at this point, someone could not have to deal with all of that. Someone could say, you know, my degree is in this. I'm going to go back to my field of work. I'm going to go back to what I got my degree in. And I'm not going to deal with all this bullshit of trying to get skills in an area I have no knowledge about or I have very little knowledge about, very preliminary knowledge about. But I said, I have more to learn. I'm not just going to quit now. I didn't come this far and quit the job I was doing just to come here and quit this and do something else. I, I didn't come here to dabble. So during this time, during the same time when I had very little money, very little 
funds to spend on anything else other than just straight survival. I want to learn how to be a better content writer because I knew communication sells ideas. It sells products. It sells things. And if you can sell things, if you can communicate, if you can tell stories that are engaging, you'll make money no matter who you are or where you are or what you came from. So I linked up with this person who could teach me. He was one of the best in the world at this type of stuff. So I had to pay them $450. That was my last $450 for six lessons. That was it, just six lessons. But those were six incisive lessons. And that last lesson wasn't even on marketing. It was just on life and how to conduct yourself as a professional in business. So these lessons paved the road for me to learn more and get more into e-commerce and get more into uh, marketing technology. And those lessons and that initial job and that initial quote-unquote hazing period of being the rookie have paid themselves over many, many times because I learned lessons that you just can't learn anywhere else. So if I just got a safe, secure job and I just decide to go the extreme corporate route and work my way up, 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 and just continue that track where I was on, it would have led to a lot of misery and unhappiness. And also, if I didn't decide to part with my last sums of money for that course, I wouldn't have learned those lessons and my learning would have been stagnated. And who knows where I would have been. I don't credit that as the sole reason I am where I am today, but I do credit it as part of my history and part of my prologue to uh, my working life. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful that I was able to have the faith to spend money on this and do something where I wasn't trying to save the money and keep the money to myself for a quote unquote rainy day. I was willing to issue it out and dish it out and willing to just sacrifice for something I saw longer term. And there's many examples of this throughout history. There's many examples of people who have left the safe confines of their home country to come to a country like USA in order to learn or to grow or to get work. And they were willing to launch out into the unknown unknown to get a better life. There's been thousands of people throughout history who have played to win, not to not lose, because they knew that playing to not lose will inherently open the space for you to lose. Where, whereas if you say you were playing to win and you put all your cards on the table and if you lose, you can say, at least I tried, at least I put my best fit forward, you know, I didn't have to sit back wondering what if. So a lot of people are wondering what if, and a lot of people have regrets. This is why people have regrets, because they play to not lose. They play to not lose um, status, money, self-image, um, reputation, all these things, right? And I get when you're getting older and you have more to lose, like house, a family, this, that, and the other, uh, it's harder to take risks. But I still think taking small bets and small um, small issues and small steps to where you want to be, you don't have to bet the whole house on 
progression and winning. But the more you're willing to do that and more you're willing to lose whatever you have in order to gain, then that's where self-development really takes off. And that's where things really start to turn. So a lot of people are afraid to lose what they already have, even if there's 10 times more at the other side. So look at how you're living your life. Are you holding on to old patterns even though they don't serve you? Look at how you're spending your day. Are you reacting to stress online? Are you a slave to social media and online negativity? Are you getting caught in fear about what may happen? How about your thought patterns? Are you thinking in negative and self-defeating thought patterns that keep you comfortable? Are you falling prey to lazy beliefs and black and white thinking? What about your diet? Is it life enhancing? How about your friends? Are you all growing together? Or are you still stuck doing the same nonsense that you did in college? Are your friends progressing with you? What about your immediate environment? Do you like where you're living right now? Or do you need to change it? Do you need to make some sort of shift? What happened if you changed how you're living right now? What if you what if happened if you changed the entire paradigm of your life? What would happen? You don't have to do it. You don't have to do this all at once. But I just want you to just entertain it. Entertain the possibility that the way you're living your life is like stepping on the brakes of a car and the accelerator at the same time. What happened if you just let off the brake? It's very hard to receive life's blessings with a closed fist. Something to meditate on. So there you have it. Six reasons why you're still stuck where you are. Dissect your life and see where you're falling prey to one of these. And ask yourself, how can you apply a solution? And how fast? It doesn't have to be an overhaul, complete overhaul but just a step, a small step in the right direction is better than no step or even a step in the opposite direction. Developing that courage, developing that willingness will help you get farther than anything else you can imagine. So that's it. If you want to experience more content like this, go to www.unstoppablerise.com. There is more resources on there for, again, the motivated mind. So that's it for me. Until next time, keep progressing. Take care. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in and listening in. I truly appreciate your support and your attention. It means a lot. If you like this content, go ahead and like the content. Go ahead and share the content with at least two other people you think would benefit. Doesn't hurt to spread the good stuff around, right? And if you're listening in on iTunes, go ahead and rate the show with a honest rating this will definitely help the show grow and i truly appreciate your feedback so until next time stay good take care of yourself take care of other people and peace